0: Angel and Judy here for our daily devotions, and we're going through Psalm 24. I thought about what is God like, and Psalm 24 and verses 1 to 2, it shows that God is the creator and founder of the heavens, just like we've been studying in Genesis 1 to 2. So I appreciated this Psalm after we did our devotions through Genesis. Verse 3: God is also one who is holy because the psalmist asks who shall stand in his holy place. In verse 5, we see that God is the one who desires to bless and desires to save us. In verse 6, he strives with man like the angel with Jacob, in reference to Jacob. And also through verses 8-10, through 10, he, God is the king of glory, strong and mighty, mighty in battle. And I
1: pick up from verse 1 and 2, where this is a picture of who God is. He is a grand creator God. The fullness of the earth is His, the world and all those who dwell in it. That's the kind of God that is here presented in this psalm. And then verse 3 asks, who can approach Him? Who can stand in His holy place? And I think given the grandness of God, our instinctual answer is, first of all, maybe no one. No one can measure up to God. How can anyone stand before a God like that? Or perhaps we think, someone who has to be extra-religious or powerful, someone who can at least earn their place before this kind of God. But then we see a surprising answer in verse 4-6, through six, that it's none of these things. In fact, to stand before God, He says, It is those with a clean hand, pure heart, soul not lifted up to what is false. And I think one thing that shows us is where does God look? Not on the outside, but on the inside. And 1 Samuel sixteen seven says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And what does it take to come before him? It's someone who on the inside is examining himself before God.
0: From verses four to six, we we can ask ourselves, what kind of person will receive blessing from the Lord? It says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. From verse four, he has clean hands and a pure heart. And thinking about Genesis three again, I just thought about the opposite. This is the opposite of what happened during the fall, when Adam and Eve disobeyed and ate the forbidden fruit. Because one, they didn't have clean hands, but they took of the fruit. And two, they didn't have pure hearts, Eve mistrusted God and trusted the serpent instead and thought God was withholding something good from her. And three, they lifted up their souls to what was false, wanting to be like God, when ironically they were already like God, the only beings made in God's image. But not being satisfied with that, they became proud, lifting up their souls and wanting to usurp the throne of God in their lives. And four, they swore deceitfully, the way Adam blamed Eve, the way Eve blamed the serpent, And yes, there is a hint of truth there, but how they refused to take full ownership over their disobedience to God. It's interesting how they never once say sorry, never apologize, even after God confronts them. This happens to us when our hearts become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, when we want to justify ourselves and our evil deeds. So what can we do when we see the downward spiral of sin happening in us? We can seek God the way Jacob sought the Lord. I will not let you go until you bless me. That's what Jacob said when he was wrestling with God and he was renamed by God as Israel, one who strove with God and men and have prevailed. And we are called to be like Jacob in this way, to seek God's face, wrestle with God against our sins, to see our sins from God's perspective and not our own and to have a personal relationship with God where we are surrendering to God, his authority as king and not wanting to call the shots in our lives like Adam and Eve.
1: And it says in verse 5 then that he will receive blessing from the Lord, righteousness from the God of his salvation. That's where our righteousness and blessing come from. It's from God. And the first step, though, is that we would wrestle with him, come before him as we are, and receive the righteousness and blessing that he wants to give to us. And then talking a little bit about verse 7 to 10, I find it really interesting as I was reading this that the perspective shifts. In the beginning, from 4 through 6, we see the worshiper coming to seek God. But now in verse seven to 10, God was seeking to come in. And I actually find this really true to life. We approach God, we seek after him to be with him, but at the same time, God is seeking us, right? Just like the good shepherd. And in Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. God comes to us and there's a choice that we have to make. Will I allow him to come in? Or will I not? Verse seven says, lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up O ancient doors that he may come in. You know, when we leave to ourselves, when we live life on our own, what kind of life do we actually live? Well, God says he's the God of glory strength, and might, and He wants to come into our life to reign, to bring us to the good life. And so the question is, when God comes to us, will we lift up our heads? Will we open up the doors to allow the King of Glory to come in? Sometimes it can be scary, sometimes it's fearful. We, We suspect that God, does He want to take something away from me? But God says, no, I am the King of Glory and I want to come in so your life can be made right. And so I think it's a challenge to all of us. In what way are we still blocking that door? how do we need to open up our heart and our life for Jesus to come in so that's all we have for us today talk to you later
0: bye bye